0: The who, what, why, where, and when of meditation. I'm Brent Spirit and that's the topic of today's episode of The Spiritual Awakening Show. I'll be sharing a couple segments with you from my very first in-person meditation meeting with a group. This is a weekly meeting that I'm hosting at Ritual Yoga House in Brampton. If you can't make it out, no problem. I'll be sharing what I can for you on the podcast. Now this is a brief introduction to meditation aimed at the absolute beginner. If you're advanced, you'll probably get some value out of it, but just keep in mind that this is aimed at somebody who's completely fresh to the practice of meditation. Now, following that talk is a Q&A session. Please note that between these two segments, I did lead the group in a meditation, but I've omitted that from this episode. If you can and you would like to join us in person, I'd love to have you. If not, no worries. You can still connect with me on Instagram and Facebook, where I'm sharing some videos as well. Enjoy the segment and reach out to me with any feedback or questions that you may have at info at dot com. But for now, let's get right into it. The 5 W's of meditation. So I have called these meetings meditation meetings but truthfully, they're a little bit more than that. Uh, What these meetings are, are satsangs. Satsang is a Sanskrit word. Sat meaning truth. Sang meaning group, community, gathering of people. So what we're here today, is a group of people here gathering with the intention of realizing and embodying truth. So when I say truth, I'm speaking about the truth of who we are, our true essence. I'm speaking about the truth of the nature of reality. I'm speaking about the truth that is the ultimate aim of yoga, which is self-realization is the aim of buddhism which is enlightenment just the realization of god and so the vehicle and the method and the skill by which we approach this realization and embodiment of god is meditation of course meditation has many different benefits we can separate meditation out of its spiritual background per se but in this space here I really want to invite you to consider who you are beyond the mental chatter beyond the labels that you may have given yourself or others may have given you. It's through meditation that we can begin to explore this. So today I'll be giving an introduction to meditation lead us into a meditation and there'll be some time for some questions you may have some questions already and that's fine i just invite you to not be so tight gripped with those questions the answers may come to you either in something that i say they may come to you intuitively from within or the questions themselves may just dissolve and that's fine, too. Of course, I, I know it sounds like I'm, I'm trying to get out of answering your questions at the end, but that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. Just want to invite you to not be so focused on the questions that you may have. You may miss the whole, the whole meeting itself. And I'm speaking from experience. Sometimes I've sat with questions and I've missed the whole thing, waiting for the question and answer section. So, what I'm offering today is, of course, information about meditation. Something for your mind to take in. But the truth is that meditation is something that transcends all words. The mind can't wrap itself around what meditation really is. And so the words here, as I say in Zen, the words are just a finger pointing to the moon. Don't get too caught up with the finger. Look where the finger is pointing, which is at the moon. So we may come across some points where we recognize the limitations of language. They may come to some paradoxes, some contradictions. The language will fall short. And so don't get too caught up with the language. This is not the type of class where you need to take out a notebook and take notes or or remember anything. What's important is that you just feel. In this space here, my intention is to create an energetic field in which your heart can leave with something as well, not just the mind. So you may get logical knowledge, but you should also Be open and receptive to feeling something in your heart. It may feel like a subtle sense of peace, of spaciousness, of stillness. It can be love. Just be open to that. Everyone will have a different experience. So today I want to address the who, what, why, where, when of meditation. We don't have so much time together, so of course... This will be a quick general introduction to something that can be spoke about in a million different ways but for today i thought you know what well, let's begin with these basic questions who what why where when so what i'm sharing today is just one perspective it's just my perspective in this moment There are many meditation teachers, spiritual masters, yogis. If you ask them what meditation is, they'll all give you a different answer. If you ask me tomorrow, I'm going to give you a different answer. What it is now is what we'll explore together. So when you sit while I'm speaking, feel free to move around. You're under no obligation to stay in one spot. This is not the type of strict place where you must sit still. If you feel like adjusting yourself, rearranging your blanket, whatever it is, just be at ease. When we get into the meditation itself, I'll cue you a little bit on how you may sit. But for now, just just be at ease. So who? There's a branch of yoga, one of the three main branches called Yana Yoga, which is the yoga of knowledge. Some may interpret that to mean the knowledge that's found in scriptures, the texts. There's a part of that, but for the most part, when we speak about knowledge, we're talking about self-knowledge, knowing oneself. And so the path of jnana yoga asks the question: who am I? Before your name, who are you? Before your career, before the things that have happened to you, or the things you've accomplished, your likes, dislikes, who are you? This is something that's beyond words that we come to explore meditation to tap into that true self. We can answer who in another way as well. We can ask who is meditation for? If you're completely fresh to this sort of thing. If you just happen to come by and you've got no idea about meditation, it's not just for monks or yogis. It's not a religious thing per se. Everybody can meditate and everybody can benefit from meditation. Some great athletes meditate. I know Kobe Bryant was a meditator. There are many psychological studies that show the benefits of meditation outside of its spiritual benefits. So meditation is available for, for everyone. So what is meditation? Today, in this moment, meditation is the practice of being aware of what is arising within your field in this moment here and now. The practice of being aware of what is arising in your field in this moment here and now. So the fan just came on. Can we just be aware of it? Thoughts may arise, oh, this is not a good for the fan to come on. We're trying to be in silence meditating. Can we just become aware of those thoughts? That's meditation. So in my definition today, there's no description about having a still mind. There's no description about being at peace. It's just being aware of what is arising in your present moment here and now. Oftentimes we have ideas of meditation being your mind must be blank no no thoughts if you're not at peace you're not meditating well when we think about the buddha who's probably the most iconic meditator of all time when he was sitting under the bodhi tree before he realized his enlightenment as the buddha the story goes that he wasn't at peace there he was fighting all different types of things coming up in the story that's personified as demons coming up and that was meditation. He wasn't at peace. He's at peace after his enlightenment, but prior to the enlightenment in his practice of meditation, he was going through a big struggle. So when you're sitting to meditate and thoughts are arising and you're getting caught up in them and you're maybe perhaps failing to be present with what you're experiencing in this moment, that's okay. It's totally okay. It's in that feeling of being okay with it that then things can start to actually calm down a little bit. So let's get it out of the way now. From this point forward, whenever you meditate, if you never come back here, that's fine. Let's get out of the way. Thoughts are going to arise. Feelings are going to arise. Anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, confusion, it's all going to arise. Let's get out of the way now. You're going to want to move, you're going to want to fidget, and that's fine too. So now that it's out in the open, when it comes up, we're not surprised. We don't beat ourselves up. We were expecting it, Okay. So where, where, where do we meditate? Well, of course, meditation happens here. And when I say here, I don't mean in this space here. I just mean here, as in wherever you happen to be. You're always here. So that's when meditation can happen. Of course, when we come to a space like this, it's conducive to meditation. It's very peaceful. It's very beautiful. It's quiet. We're here in a community with the intention to meditate. But don't feel as if this is the only place where it happens. It happens here, and that's wherever you are. Whether you're driving, whether you're talking with somebody, so meditation can happen. It is not limited to when you're sitting cross-legged, eyes closed, OK? So when, I'm sure you can kind of figure out where this is going, when do we meditate then? We meditate now. Of course, I don't mean 7 to 8 PM on a Sunday night. I mean now. It's always now. So if you can practice in each moment, as often as you remember to be aware of what is happening in your experience in the present moment here and now, then that is an effective meditation. You can be walking, you can be cooking, eating, whatever it is. If it's happening now, it's a perfect time for you to bring a meditative awareness to the situation. Why? Why do we meditate? Of course, like I said in the beginning, our intention to meditate is to realize and then embody truth of of who we really are. And when we do that, our life is enhanced in every dimension. We can live more fully in the moment Because who we are is really actually in this moment. The voice in our head is in the past, in the future. If it's in the moment, it's making a judgment on what's happening here based on its past experiences. So who we really are is actually the awareness of those thoughts. If we can abide as that awareness, we bring that consciousness to whatever it is that we're doing, and with that consciousness, everything is enhanced. We're able to relate with others more fully. We're able to really listen to what they're saying with awareness, as opposed to just being caught up in waiting for them to finish so that we can share our, our, our thoughts or whatever it is that we want to share. We can really be fully present with our experience here. Somebody's speaking and we can just listen. And then when we're speaking, we can speak with awareness as opposed to allowing emotions to drive our words. We've all been there when we've just been angry and words just come out. And then you take a step back and you realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, because in those moments, there was a lapse in awareness. It was just unconsciousness. And so we meditate to bring awareness to our ability to relate with one another, to relate with ourselves to engage in our work more fully, more deeply, to really give our full awareness to whatever it is that we're doing so that we can bring forth the highest quality work or whatever it is that we're engaging in in the moment. Of course, there are many other reasons if you look at scientific studies or showing meditation benefits, they're endless for health, for well-being, to help to manage anxiety, depression. Meditation is an invaluable skill that if we can learn and if we can teach, can really begin to reshape the way that our society is going. So when we speak about things like mental illness, meditation is not the only way that is available to manage these things, but it's a very effective way. And in combination with some of the other things to do with self-care, you can really begin to climb out of difficult situations. So when I speak about meditation as being a vehicle to realize who we really are, I use the word God to realize and embody God. I know that's a loaded word. If we look at it in that perspective, which, which is the original means sorry, the original goal by which people sat to meditate. If we aim to realize our true self, God, our true nature, well, then we'll benefit in all the ways that meditation has to offer. So some may sit because they want to be able to bring more consciousness to the way that they're relating with people, that's fine. You may realize God in the process anyway. And vice versa, if you sit because you have a, a yearning in your heart to know the spiritual nature of reality, to know the divine, well, then you may, at the same time, just become a more kind person. So that's how it works. So what I'm sharing today is not something that you need to accept or believe. I don't want any of your belief. I don't want any of your blind trust in what I'm saying. I invite you to sit to experience what I'm saying. Take what resonates with you, leave behind what doesn't. And that's fine. So we have some time now to take some questions. If you feel like you may continue in your meditation. If there are no questions, we can sit some more. Yeah. to is there happening like if you're feeling more um physiological things when you're trying to meditate as opposed to like maybe it's your thoughts that are getting in the way of it more is there is is there a reason that it's one or the other yeah or is it just is it just random maybe you're just an itchy very busy-minded person Mm -hmm. well it's not random we all have different dispositions Some of us may actually have more active minds and that's got to do with many different factors down to our lifestyle, down to our diet even. But for some, if you're actually fortunate enough to be more concerned with the sensations on your body than the thoughts in your mind, you're actually in a very good place because it's very easy to be neutral with the sensations. Is they don't necessarily always carry a story. If they are associated with deep trauma, maybe you were beat up, for example, then you may feel those sensations and they may carry a story. But for the most part in the meditation, we may just feel sensations, hot, cold, itch, feel like moving, a little bit of pain, a little bit of discomfort. And so they don't have the story in the way that the, the mind has a long story about this happened to me and I didn't do the right thing or they were, they wronged me and there's a long story and that can really take us off and we lose awareness. So if you're one of the people that happen to be uh, feeling more than thinking, that's, that's a good place to be in. I shouldn't say if you're one of the people because there will come meditations where y- your mind is way more active. But if you happen to be in a meditation where the mind is at ease but the sensations are there... You do the same thing as you would with any thought. Remain a witness. Remain present and aware with what's arising and passing away without judgment, without saying, oh, this is a bad feeling or this is a bad thought or this is a bad emotion. It's the same practice. The reason, to answer your question more specifically, the reason about why we may be less inclined to think so much in our meditation it has to do with the ability for us to allow our, our, our mind to rest in awareness. So the more you practice, the more you become familiar with that spaciousness, that stillness, and you learn to trust it. And you actually learn that there's really no use for the thoughts right now. So the mind will naturally start to calm down on its own. You're not doing anything to calm those thoughts down. You're just knowing that, what are these thoughts going to do for me here? I'm thinking about work, but I'm not at work. So what am I, what is it going to do for me? So just by knowing that, the mind relaxes on its own. And then the, you may notice more sensations on the body. Regardless of what the experience is, the idea is to remain present with what's arising, right? And so you mentioned that many people might sit with the understanding or the misunderstanding this is an arguable point but the misunderstanding i'm going to call it that you must sit and have a blank mind it's not impossible to have a blank mind some people have the idea that there's no way my mind could be blank i've gone for months with very few thoughts yeah yeah it sounds like you know you, maybe i should have had thoughts you know, I was, you know act, acting a fool right But they come and go. Periods like that come and go with practice. But you may be thinking, well, what would I do without thoughts? Well, I invite you to consider when you're walking down the street, are you thinking right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot? No thought. When you're communicating with somebody, when you're really in the flow, you're not thinking, okay, I'm going to say this next. These are my next words. The words just come out, right? So it is possible to actually have a a blank mind, a, a state of no mind, they call it, where the mind is still. It's not something super far out there that it's very unattainable. It is possible to experience it. Uh, yeah. That be enlightenment? enlightenment can be defined in many different ways. There are different stages, we could say, even with, when you go really deep with it. But if you find that stillness in yourself, and you abide there, you can say that's enlightenment. If you know who you are, and you abide as that, say that's enlightenment. In the beginning of our meeting, I said that we're here to realize truth and embody it. So it's one thing in our meditation today to say, whoa, I didn't know that there was that spaciousness there. Wow, something has opened up in me. And that's fantastic. Maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you've had it before. Now you've realized something. Now we have to practice to embody it, right? And that takes time. There is no instant enlightenment. There's no moment like that where it just happens. So it's, it's A consequence of practice of ongoing practice right but this idea of sitting in meditation having a blank mind not important it's not even important if you can recognize that the thoughts themselves aren't necessarily very important that's fine too it's the equivalent of having a blank mind it's like a blank piece of paper you look at it there's no meaning there right it's blank If you were to scribble on that, there's still no meaning. So if your thoughts are there and you recognize that they're not necessarily very important for what's happening in this moment, they lose meaning. And then not only do they lose the meaning, they lose that grip on you to take you for a ride. They lose that grip on you to influence you emotionally. As you you recognize, oh, these are just thoughts. We're not pushing them away. We're just saying, no, these thoughts are here. But I'm safe in this space. I don't need to be afraid of anything. I don't need to relive things that have happened already. I can rest in the moment and in doing so then paradoxically you will come into phases where the mind actually does still and then you'll have a thought. Oh, the mind is still and then it starts up again. Oh, I, I something happened. This is amazing. Oh, thoughts are back again. Why, why can't I go back? I need to go back there where it's quiet. Right. You see, this is what happens. This is, the, the, this is why we practice. And then once again, we remember, oh, I need to just remain aware of the thoughts, okay. And then we start to watch those crazy thoughts about commenting about stillness and quietude and all that. And then the mind will quiet again. We shouldn't beat ourselves up for the mind not being quiet. Sometimes we think, oh, I, I've, my mind is not quiet, this is a problem. There are limitations of the body, the nervous system, that actually don't allow the mind to actually rest in stillness. It's, it requires practice to really get the nervous system to relax in the same way that it requires practice to open up the body to stretch more deeply. The nervous system has to learn to relax. So maybe you're familiar with this idea that with yoga poses, the nervous system is actually acts like a, as a governor that doesn't let us, for example, touch our toes. It's not that the muscles are tight. It's that the nervous system doesn't feel that that's safe, and so it stops that from happening. You reach a limit. So with practice, we're not stretching the muscles per se. We are just getting our nervous system to trust that we're not gonna get hurt. In the same way in meditation, we have to get our nervous system to trust that it's okay to actually be still. And it comes with practice. Practice. Meditation was that you would clear the mind, mm-hmm. to train the mind, to be calm. Because as you're speaking, the mind actually wanders. Out, but how do you get the mind to come back to what you're saying? Yeah. Because um, it's really hard to get these thoughts out of because your mind just wanders off mm-hmm. something. It has gone on during the day or last week. And I thought it was to try to get all these thoughts out of your mind, to clear the mind, so you feel peaceful in there. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, there are some uh, schools of thought or approaches to meditation that may put it that way, right? They may say, okay, we're gonna clear our mind. But they don't give you, or, or I shouldn't say they, I'm not speaking about anybody in particular, but with that idea, Well, how do we do that? We cannot clear the mind with the mind. Often what happens is we come in and we think, okay, I shouldn't be thinking. Oh, but that's a thought. So in my practice that I shared with you today, it's bringing awareness. And then the mind naturally begins to clear on its own with practice. Today's practice was kind of short. I was actually speaking a little bit to remind you to return back, return back to the practice it's like if you had a a river with a, a muddy riverbank, water's flowing over the over that mud. If you go into that river and try to clear the mud and settle it, what happens? It, by walking around in the river trying to clear the mud, you're actually stirring it up. So what you have to do for the river bed to settle, for the dirt to settle in the water to be clear, you have to get out of the river and just watch from the bank, right? So that's what we're doing here is we're just watching the mind, watching the thoughts, watching the experiences that are happening in the moment, without any agenda, just abiding in that present spaciousness. And as we abide there, we actually take power away from the mind and the thoughts will slow on their own. It doesn't happen in just one practice for most people. Some people it does, but for most people, it requires practice. And it requires practice because the mind has momentum that's been carrying it for so long. Our whole lives, perhaps, for decades, we've been thinking a whole story in our head. It's almost ongoing. From the moment we wake up, it just starts up again. And we can't come in one meditation and expect it to just end, right? We practice, and how we practice is we take a step back. What we haven't, most of us haven't done throughout our lives is actually taken a step back. So perhaps when you sit to meditate, it's one of the first maybe handful of times that you've actually taken a step back from being caught up in that mental loop. And so when we take that step back over time, the mind will still and it will become calm. It will become calm. The idea here is not to beat yourself up for it not being calm. Because that beating ourselves up Comes from a place of, of not being calm, right? So, for example, for, you can think of it like this for, for myself, when you're having thoughts, like if I could read your mind, I, I, it has nothing to do with me. I don't want your mind to still. I want you to have the experience you're having here and now in this moment. I don't want to change you. I don't want to steal your mind. I'm just going to witness whatever's happening in, in your mind. That's all. No judgment. The same way you can be with yourself and that's how you can be with yourself in your practice, but it takes time. It takes time. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I have a thought while meditating, I try and redirect my mind back to my breath. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that I'm suppressing my thought? Just aware of it. Right. So th- there are many ways of looking at mind the word mind, I mean. When I'm speaking of mind, I'm speaking about the thoughts in the head. So we don't bring a thought to the breath, we bring awareness to the breath. You see the distinction? So you have awareness, there's thoughts happening here, and breathing is happening here. When there's a thought, your awareness is watching the the thought like that. And then somehow in your awareness, you remember, oh no, return to the breath and then your awareness falls down to the belly and you become aware of the breath. The thoughts may still be going but because you're not feeding them with that with your energy up here in the mind then they can sort of fizzle out and then there's just breathing happening. But you want to make the distinction between mind and awareness. Right? But this is where language starts to break down because some people could maybe argue well like I all I have is my mind. I don't have awareness because they perhaps haven't Get opened up that aspect that dimension of, of their being have you experienced that that awareness that spaciousness um i i think so yeah i mean i don't know really what that is but well it's beyond words but is there a feeling that you have like sometimes i when i finally got it it felt like i could feel my my heart beat mm-hmm. but no but there was like it was like when everything else was resting yeah. What was it that was aware of the heart beating? I guess it's your mind. D- this is the distinction. No, it's, there's, there's no wrong answer. It's your experience here. It's your experience here. What's happening is there's a consciousness that is separate from the mind. So the thoughts, like I said, mind, when I'm referring to mind is thoughts. So was a thought aware of the heart beating? It's more of a sensation. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, no thought. No thought. Just a sensation and the awareness of that sensation. No labels, no word, no mental chatter about it. No. Yeah, that's the awareness. That's good. Yeah, because when you abide in in that space, that's where there's peace. Because that space doesn't have this happened to me or that happened to me. That space is beyond all that. That's your spirit, your consciousness. When we talk about God, that's the part of God that's within you. It doesn't last long. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine Because we're here to practice The reason that it doesn't last long, like I said is, is there's so much momentum, right? But that's what we practice And the more that we practice We actually can come to a point It may seem hard to believe And you may feel like, yeah, right But you can actually come to a point Where you spend more time there Than you do in the thoughts and the mind and all that Yeah Yeah I have one for you you know, she was saying that hers didn't last very long mm-hmm. I lasted the whole time. Fantastic. No, not really. I was so bored. Oh, you were bored. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. My it's like, I was like, why am I not having <laughs> So you thought, were having well, thoughts. No. Well, I'd go back I to it. Like, well, what can I think about here? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a thought? I have a thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. I've had a hard time getting the thoughts. Yeah. No yeah. and then I kept. Then I was. You were like, giving all your thoughts to her. <laughs> and then, like, I noticed that nobody moved. Like, nobody yeah, moved. I thinking, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh well, my god. Yeah. Well, I about like I was like moving, and I, like, I couldn't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, like those were the only thoughts I had. Right. So this is the nature of the mind. Actually, it it gets bored, right? right? Because where in our lives do we actually take time to not do anything? There's always some stimulation, right? Yeah. It's always something to listen to, something to do, something to think about even. And when you come to a place like this, there's a guy telling you to just do not do nothing. That was hard. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes the mind actually feels as if it's not doing anything, there's something wrong, right? It's, it's like busy work, right? We just do things because we were like, oh, I need to be busy. I can't be doing nothing, I have to do something. The mind is like that, right? The reason that it's like that, I'm not saying this is your experience or this is the case for you, but for most people, it's just afraid of being at at peace and being still. There's fear because it's unknown. What would happen if you actually just did nothing? What would happen? Who would you be? Who would the mind be? If you could tell the mind, hey, you're off for the next hour, just chill out. Mind says, well, who am I gonna be then? I gotta be the voice in the head that's constantly micromanaging things and contemplating things and trying to solve problems and preparing for arguments that I'm going to have and all that kind of stuff, what would the mind be? So the mind says, no, no don't. I don't want to be, I don't want the time off, right? It's like if you ever have had a period of being unemployed, you sit around, you're like, who am I? What's going on here, right? It's, it's uncomfortable, and so that's how the mind is. So the mind gets bored and tries to weasel its way in. Well, let's think about this experience. Let's think about it. So can you notice that, and just say, yeah, I'm bored, and that's okay. Yeah. I was telling Kat that this meeting might be boring, and I and and I, I'm fully I'm fully aware of that. Actually, it's um, it's in some respect it's supposed to be boring. It's not meant to be super exciting. It can be, of course, but it's not meant to be. If it's boring, that's good. We're meant we're just spend one hour out of your week to just do nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah. But this is just something to explore a little bit. Uh, can you actually just be at ease with doing nothing for a little bit? Think about it a little bit. That's the whole essence of, of, of Zen, of Zen Buddhism, is do nothing, do nothing, yeah. How do you, how do you bring the mind back? Like if you wander off, mm-hmm. you need to get back to something, say, yeah. the, yeah. the mind wanders off, there's something, thinking about something else, and I want to get back to you. Yeah. How do you get back when well, I go to church? Right? Yeah, I'm supposed to be listening to the priest. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about going for a coffee and a donut. Right. <laughs> How do I get back? I don't. I don't want to be thinking <laughs> those thoughts. Right. Right. So initially, you set the intention, and then you practice, and practice comes as often as you remember. So. For some people, we have reminders. For me, it's, it's my beads. I feel them. Oh, it reminds me to just be present, right? For some people, it's a ritual, right? We're here at a place of rituals. So the rituals force you into that. <laughs> sorry, I'll put it this way. The rituals are a forced reminder. You say, I'm coming here to remind myself to practice. And as more and more often you remind yourself, the more easier it is for you to remember, and then you stay focused but you have to set the intention